Bell. Welcome to the season finale of Push to Talk. Uh, we're going to have this one go on hiatus because we have two other new shows that are still kicking around. Um, this show will come back on December 1st, so you guys will have it back soon. Uh, today we are joined by Tyler, the esports coach. We've had him on for a few times. Now, Tyler, I think I think you are the most common reoccurring guest. Yes, I, I think I am. I'm on time number three. So I was on the podcast previously at uh, SAC Retro Gaming Con, and then you guys had invited me on again for, I think it was the next DLC, I think it was Min and then we had kind of talked about that. So I'm excited to be back on, here for the finale, really stoked about our talking points today. I couldn't be more excited. Man, I cannot wait for conventions to come back. I miss gaming conventions so much. Those are, yeah, those are a lot of fun. I think with everything, you know, back to where things are, I, I see it opening up in the future. I've seen a couple of, uh, a couple of places have done it. Um, I know that there was one in South Carolina. The only reason I know that is because they're the only place right now that is hosting a Tetris tournament. So I was pretty excited to hear that, that they're starting to do it because that means, you know, they're eventually going to come back. So. Yeah, that's really going to be great. All right, so we just had E3, speaking of conventions, and we had the reveal of a brand new character for uh, Super Smash Brothers. Clearly, that is your um, your corner there, that Tetris. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? What are your initial thoughts on a brand new character that's coming to Super Smash Brothers? Um, initial thoughts. I mean, first, I got to sh- shout out like Tekken in general, because, man game is hard in and of itself i mean you like you got to be dedicated to that game to be good at it so you know congrats to the people at tekken for making it into the smash brothers game i know that a lot of people who whose characters make it into smash games it's like a super high honor because it's like it's almost like a fighting game hall of fame in a way so um from the competitive perspective, from the things that I saw at uh, E3 and all that, uh, kind of seeing how his uh, moveset is, it's going to be very, very different. And I know I said that previously with Min Min, but um, it's just Tekken has so many moving parts. Like Tekken is almost this sandbox fighting game where like there's no set combos. It's not like your Street Fighters, your Guilty Gears, like, oh, okay, if I do this setup, I can go into Fireball, and, and there's like a chain of combos. It's you you have freedom to do whatever you want. So I think Kazuya is gonna do very, very well in Smash. Um, I could see him kind of going higher tier. I don't think he's gonna be like busted broken um because they're eventually going to be patching him throughout it as they go as we've seen with other characters but i could see him being top 10 for sure potentially top five um but i would just have to see a little bit more um a lot of his you know combos are coming in a lot of the uh the electric god fist is in um they showed a couple of this what looked like throws and certain tilt moves and there's probably going to be some uh, directional moves just like they had with uh, Terry and Ryu and Ken. So it's going to be really interesting dynamic of like a mixture of a, a street fighter, you know, like input character, but also kind of having the sandbox freedom. So what do you guys do uh, on the esports side of things uh, when you see a new character revealed like this? Is there any sort of like initial prep uh, research into the game that they're coming from? try to understand how this character will differ themselves from the other ones. What does this character bring to the table and how do you guys approach that? As uh, instinctively it's what does this character bring to the table? So really we wait for the character to come out in the game and we wait about a week. Um, Most players will get the D they have the DLC already purchased and they start using the character just to get a feel for the movement to get, you know, just an idea of what tools the character has. So they're not necessarily dropping their main. It's like they're going to this character just to see what tools they have. And from there, they progress into, okay, I might attempt to bring this character into my, you know, arsenal, or they're saying, okay, I need to figure out how to play against this character. So, but you'll have a couple people, you know, like um, some of the bigger names, like I know, uh, 
hungry box really likes to take you know when a new dlc character comes out he just goes and he just plays them for like two hours just for fun just to kind of get a feel for the character and see how good he is and then from there you'll start to see those higher ranked players like mk leo uh nairo like those guys will pick up the character and you know and and try to use them viably and then you'll have the diehard tekken fans who will want to come in and try to do something but in the grand scheme of things uh you have kind of the you kind of have to wait it out to see exactly how strong a character is going to be because you have to see them develop because you know they're not going to dominate day one it's going to be all right what do they bring to the table and then you know it's just like they don't know enough about the character yet in order to have a you know a plan set up so do you guys ever do some predicting on what kind of character will come just by play style as in like this is what's missing from the game so they could use this or uh or like when you see the character do you think like oh this character's gonna be fast and we're kind of missing a fast character right now so let's put this one in how do you guys feel and then like also how do you adjust um balancing and things like that when when these new patches come out we also get balancing changes uh how do you guys predict what they'll be changing like if you see say uh captain falcons hitting a little too hard you think they're gonna nerf that what do you guys do about those? Is it all patch notes? Um, that's just through the patch notes itself. Um, what we get is what we get in the patch notes. Um, we, we don't account for, okay, this is going to be patched. Um, we account for what's happening. We account what's for happening in the moment. We have this ability right now. Unless it changes otherwise, we're sticking to our game plan with this character. You know, like, yeah. And, that, and that's... Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to overstep yourself and when you have a tool that's, you know, you can utilize in the moment and you stop using it because you hear a rumor or you you think that it's going to, you know, get removed. But um again, that's not just through the DLC characters, that's through all characters and we've seen it through multiple different characters who have gotten nerfed or buffed. It it goes both ways. So you'll get characters you know, their movesets are a little bit, you know, like not quite there. Um, their setups aren't doing well. They don't have certain hitboxes in certain areas and they patch them and they actually get buffed. So you'll see that balance kind of fluctuate. How often do you see someone who, you know, is a veteran player change their main based off a new character? So like say um, when Steve from Minecraft came out, did you see people like make that change or do people normally stick with their mains uh, through and through? Uh, more more often than not i mean um most most die hard like esports people they're they're really not going to change their their game plan unless there's something very very broken about a character so if they have a very very powerful combo setup if there's a zero to death that they can set up very easily um most of them usually just stick with what what they know um if there's a, a somebody who's struggling with like a drought of wins, like they're really struggling and the character's just not working out, they might just phase out, you know, the character that they were using previously and try a new one just because, you know, they're not doing very well. They need to, you know, shake things up and try something different. So again, it varies by play style as well, because I can see Kazuya going two different ways. I can see him being a very defensive style player. Um, but I could also see him playing very well in rushdown. Um, so again, it just kind of depends on, you know, who picks up the character and what their play style is. Cause you know, I've ran into a lot of people who were playing Terry that they're, they're treating it as a 2d fighter game because, you know, the Ken Ryu, um, and Terry have the automatic turnaround. So you're always facing your opponent. So they'll play it where they do the step backs like they do footsies in uh street fighter and they just bring that over to smash and it works out you know that's just a part of their so again we would just have to see how that works uh with tekken because tekken you're in a 3d environment where you're able to do sidestepping which in the smash game you don't have that tool so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they make a tekken player feel like a tekken game in smash yeah, I wonder if they'll have some sort of workaround where doing a side button. No, that can't. That just simply won't work. Yeah, no, that's interesting to, to find a way. 
to adapt. Yeah, that was that was one of the first things that when I first saw it at E three, I was like, hmm, there's not sidestepping in Smash. Like you have you have dodging on the ground, but that's really only so much that they can do as a quote sidestep. Right. Um, but again, I just I'm interested to see how they do the character. Um, and the meta, especially with an online game like this, uh, with the patches that come out, I mean, it's with any game, really. It's not just with Smash Brothers, you know, whatever other online game is, you know, like patched. There's the meta changes. Things change yeah. throughout throughout the, the time that you're playing the game. So it's it's interesting to see it. And I'm actually really excited that a Tekken character finally made it in. I personally thought it was going to be Heihachi, but Kazuya is just as good to me. Yeah. So we have this new character. We have a lot of people that were disappointed that it wasn't like Dante or one of these, mm-hmm. you know, the the people that everybody wants. Um, you've been doing your research and you have some predictions on what's to come. What, who do you think is coming next? Who do I want or who do I think is next? Because those are with, two very yeah, different answers. Yeah. Let's do who do you think is next first? And then we'll go through that wish list. Uh, Nintendo really likes to play, you know, the, uh, high risk, high reward style of, uh, game, like games, you know, they, they take huge risks and they try things that are very obscure and unorthodox and it works out for them in, in some cases. And in some cases it's very, you know, like the game plummets or, you know, something just doesn't work out. And, you know, like, I think the biggest one, especially in the smash scene was Piranha Plant. That was a huge stretch for a Smash character because nobody was expecting it. It was it was so obscure and out of the way, but it worked out for them in the end because you know you have a dedicated fan base of people who really like Piranha Plant as a character. You know, one of the yeah. people that I previously coached, he could not get enough of playing that character. He just enjoyed the wackiness, the strangeness of his move set, and you know, again, I see that happening with Nintendo. What I what I believe uh them taking like a risk would be doom the Ooh, doom wow. guy that yeah. would be a huge risk so i i i see that um you know that they're how would trying he play in the game how would he play in smash brothers uh that's the thing like you have somebody like doom who's all long range and shooting you know just similar yeah. to like a samus esque type of player um but again, like it's it's the I think Nintendo would go that route and say, okay, how do we take this style of game, this style of character, and incorporate it into a Smash game to make it fun and unique? I could see them taking that huge risk. And you know those classic gamers out there who've been playing Doom since the moment it came out would be stoked to have him in a new game. Oh, me too, man. The fan base alone just they'd be going up to grab their switches, really. So this would be really big for them. And they just announced that Doom Eternal's coming to the Switch during E3. So yeah, it's it's all set up for it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it will stay as a rumor because there was something, I think, around January in 2020 um, that the director of Doom Eternal said that Nintendo hasn't talked to them about any licensing for the character. But I could see Nintendo taking a risk like that. Something, you know, something along the lines of that. Um, My personal pick would be Crash Bandicoot. That's mine, too. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) my personal. You have Banjo, you have Sonic, you know. Yeah. Crash just, I think, would kind of bring everything together. And I think there's just so much you could do with the Crash character. Now, with the the new game coming out with all these mask abilities, you could Mm -hmm. easily create something so so cool with the character yeah and he's so iconic to the industry as a whole he would mm-hmm. really really fit well um and even just the way he moves walks steps across the platform he fit right in and then in my in, in my beliefs is i don't know how i mean you got the prana plant so really you could basically do anything but i want also spyro because if they're kind of like those two are tied together quite a bit yeah i just not necessarily sure how he would fit in as well but Crash just, I mean, he's like meant to be in Smash Bros. He's just such a good fit for the game. And that's the, and that's the thing. There are some characters, so you're Dante, people who want Dante to be in it. Dante's a great fit because he's already in a fighting game. He's in Marvel yeah. versus Capcom 3. You know, he's he's been in a fighting game. Yeah. 
but Nintendo doesn't like to take that approach of, all right, we can just copy and paste and send him on his way. Like they, they don't like to do that all the time. There's been, a, I think there's probably been maybe one or two instances where like in the very first Smash Brothers game, that's what happened with Kirby and Jigglypuff. They literally just took, okay, what looks like Kirby that we could put into the game, kind of copy and paste, move, make the moves a little bit different, and we can add another character for depth. You know, this was back in yeah. 19, you know, 1999, like, oh, you know, yeah. way, way back when. But again, you, you don't see Nintendo doing that as much because they want to ho- hold themselves to a higher standard. Now, Spyro, I think, would be a really fun character, very interesting. I don't know licensing-wise how that could work out. Um, again, it's the same thing. Uh, Sony has been, you know, playing pretty nice uh, with Nintendo uh, for the Tekken, you know, for the Tekken stuff. Uh, yeah, I know that Mike. I know that Microsoft and Sony are like, or not Microsoft, Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo have been like, you know, palling it out. You know, they're very excited, which you know leads me to think that there's probably going to be more of microsoft related characters than sony but another one that i'm like i would be okay with it but like i I mean a lot of people speculate that it probably won't happen would be sora from kingdom hearts oh that'd be that'd be pretty dope actually yeah because everybody can see him in the smash game he is actually in a fan created smash game it's called super smash flash 2 it's a, a Smash game online that has like a bunch of wacky characters. It has like Naruto, Goku, like a bunch of random like people that they wish they could get in Smash, but you know, it's probably a licensing issue and stuff like that. But right. I could see Sora having a chance, but I, I'm not, you know, optimistic that it's going to be him. Crash would probably be like, I would love to see Crash, and he's kind of my number one, but. If I was seeing Nintendo taking a huge risk, I could see them going for Doom. Or if they were wanting to kind of promote their own title, they could do something along the lines of, I've heard of people saying Monster Hunters. One of the Monster Hunter characters. That's true. And with Monster Hunter Stories 2 coming out, they have much more character-driven characters now. Or, you know, mm-hmm. that, that would lean itself well to this game. That would be smart to do some of those. Yeah, so then, I could, there there is a lot of characters that could yeah. make it, but I think in the grand scheme of things, if Nintendo's trying to take a risk, you're going to see them use a character that you never thought you would see in a Smash game. If they're yeah. wanting to appease the fans, I see them either going after, you know, Dante or Crash. Yeah. And the, the problem with Sora, too, like that opens up the Disney part. Talk about licensing hell. Yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd assume. That not only does Disney own a piece of Sora, I'm sure, but if any of Sora's like big special abilities are going to have something to do with Disney, like in the game, of course, he uses like the, the rides uh, for Kingdom Hearts three from Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they're always at his side, uh, Donald and Goofy. So that probably is is a bit more of a far stretch thing, although he does fit very well otherwise. But I, man, that crash is just such a slam dunk. And I think, yeah, I think that's a must do. No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, the. The thing is, like, I see Sora being a great character for it, but I also see, like, that's just licensing chaos. Like, you know, you got to get to Disney and then to Sony. You got to appease the people at Disney and Sony. You got to be able to, you know, have the approval to use characters, like all this, you know, all this long stuff. And I know that there are people out there who want that. And they're, like, very, very hopeful that Disney would, you know, take on you know the honor of being in a smash game but you also know that like it's 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 a difficult place out there to get the licensing for characters um it is but i think in the grand scheme of things the crash bandicoot seems too obvious but i could see it you know as the you know the next character but i have also heard some minor rumors that Master Chief could get in, but that's just like speculation because Microsoft and Nintendo have been working together. So, yeah, and he's he's already been in a game already uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Soul Calibur, so he does have that fighting style thing. Yes. Uh, that, that doesn't necessarily sway Smash Brothers, like you were saying before. Yeah, that is nice to know that he can handle. And it. it's it's the speculation of that Steve made it in, which means any Microsoft character can make it in. Which, like, yeah, you can make a counter argument then of. If Kazuya can make it in, 
then Sora can make it in. So it's fair. You know, yeah. it's kind when of this counter argument. That blew my like, mind. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't really say that because there's much more to it than that. But like with Microsoft characters, I think they're a lot more like, hey, this is an honor. This is a huge thing. This just helps us to promote our characters because people will be like, oh, what game are they from? Like, you know, what other games are out there for this character? And that's how the Fire Emblem series kind of came to be because they brought them into Smash Brothers Melee and people are like, who are these characters? Definitely. Like, yeah, I didn't I didn't really know anything about Fire Emblem, but I lo- I knew Marth well. And so yeah. <laughs> that was that was what kind of introduced me to the franchise. And I'm sure many of the players actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm, so, I'm I'm interested to see it. So Yeah. Do you have any more uh any more people you think are coming? Those are really the only ones for me. Okay. Um you know, again, I think if they're taking risks, I could see them doing it. Um if I were to say another one kind of out of the blue, I could see the uh, Ninja Gaiden guy making oh, yeah. it because, you know, Ninja fighting games kind of goes together. Nintendo yeah, already has the character. Yeah. Nintendo yeah. has already used that game before, you know, back in the you know NES era. Um, mm-hmm. Microsoft has the ownership of that. And I could see them just be like, hey, this is your guy's character from back in the day. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm really surprised that Microsoft's not making a new game for him as it is. Agreed. Um, bring him back. That that would really be a great answer to the Dark Souls kind of franchise. Yeah. Um, or Sakura, just because those mm. games were always hell to play. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's like, hey, that's a genre now, guys. Just pl- make those hell games. <laughs> <laughs> um, when do you think that they'll announce the next character? I know that we just had one for E3. What is their kind of announcement schedule? I uh, Nintendo likes to be like spontaneous sometimes. So they'll kind of just be like, all right, here's a treehouse happening in two weeks. Like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. And people get oh, yeah. hyped about it because it's so random. It's like, they're just like, all right, here, get excited. But yeah. um, if I were to say, you know, they're working on Kai, uh, on, you know, on the Tekken character, uh, Kazuya, and they're, they're, you know, they're going to be working on him, patching him, doing that kind of stuff. So I could see it carrying out for a while, you know, letting the hype of Tekken and, his character coming to the game and, and letting that kind of ride out for a couple months. So, but anything can happen. Yeah. All right. So we have a lot to look forward to in smash. That's great. Um, and then just esports in general, kind of roaring back. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Let's move on to, we're going to be doing top five video game villains. We're going to start at five. All right. I'll go first so that we end with you. All right. uh, this is a tough list. I have I have one honorable this mention was, in case. Dude, this this was so hard. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you before the show if we could have like one honorable mention like after yeah. number two and be like, you know, like this character should have made it or we could do it now either way. But man, I had such a hard time with this because I was doing my research. And I'm like, oh, I want to use him, but I can't. We'll, we'll throw those honorable mentions in at the end for okay. sure. And yeah. then what's nice is like if we have double ups and like, oh, I'll just move mine up. Uh-huh. So um okay if there's a double up then just like shout it out all right so my number five is joker from batman arkham knight uh yeah what was dope about this version of joker is he had died the spoiler alert for everything by the way guys uh he had died in the previous games and um batman was injected with like some bad joker blood and so he was hallucinating joker the whole time so while you're batman doing other things you also have just like Joker in your mind screwing with you. And I was like, that is like the end all be all best ending for Joker. And, uh, you know, you didn't think you'd see somebody master Joker better than what's already been done. And here it is. So I just really like that. I like to see them try to do something like that in the movie where Joker's actually just like a vision he keeps having. And it was really well done. And of course, just excellent voice acting too. So it was, that's my number five. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, I think with that, like specifically, I think they did a great job in that game of kind of, taking this perspective of Joker and making him mm-hmm. seem so real, but he wasn't there to begin with. It's such a yeah. cool villain. It's such a cool villain dynamic. And I think it really only works with a guy like Joker. Yeah. I, really, think it'd be, yeah. I think it'd be really hard to do it with another character, but I can absolutely see that. I mean, to me, Joker is just a top five villain of all time. Like just True. straight up villain. But um, it's just yeah, such a creative way to do him. Yeah, it's <laughs> so 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 creative. Shout outs to you know the team that came up with that. You know that's a genius genius way to do it. Yeah. 
right. Uh, I will say again, man, this was a really hard list for me, like <laughs> really hard list. But I mean, my number five, I'm going with the classic. It was a game that I was introduced to by, you know, my friends and, you know, at my school when I was a kid. And, you know, we were playing The Legend of Zelda, so I got to go Ganon. I mean, classic the, the classic villain, um, you know, he has the Triforce shard of power as a villain. So like, you know, the villain wants power. He wants to rule the world. And Ganon is just strong. I mean, he is just like, he, he is like just looking at him. You know that he's the villain. Yeah. is especially hit me when I was over at one of my buddy's house. We were playing Nintendo 64 at like midnight as like, 12 year olds like 10 or 12 year olds like we were young young kids and he came onto the screen as like the last fight and like like it was it was surreal it was a surreal moment as a kid like you just see this like huge dark villain i mean he looked like a pig so it's a little weird but it's still like that moment was so intense and like just like ganon to me is just like to me that's my childhood villain because I could never beat him. And then once we finally did, it was, man, it was great. <laughs> One of the nice things about Ganon is every time he's on screen, he just like pulls the attention of the entire room. Yeah. He's, he's just like, that dude's here. You know, we're in for a tough fight no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, every time he walks in this room, it's just like, shit. I got one villain that does that for me too. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh man, he, say, he takes up all the, the energy. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And then shout outs to the guy who's going to be the best man at my wedding, though, uh, my buddy Connor. Him and I used to live together in college, and we played through the entire Wind Waker series. And we oh, played nice. against Ganon. And man, that was another really, like in college, this was a hard fight because we were playing Wind Waker on the GameCube. So we're both sitting there trying to figure out how to beat Ganon. Man, it was fun. So it's a lot of it was like memories for me. But, but yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, that's part of it, too. Like a lot of these guys are just like, I remember, you know, discussing it at school afterwards mm-hmm. and, you know, texting the guys or whatever afterwards. Yeah. yeah that's what like a lot sitting, of- sitting at the lunch table as like kids and going through yeah. like, oh, man, did you play the new games? You see the new villain? Like, you know, how did you beat him? You know, what did you use? Like all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Then you had that one smart ass kid. that's like, oh, guys, all you had to do is this. And it's like, ah, <laughs> shit. He's right. <laughs> I know exactly which kid you're talking <laughs> I pictured the same voice in my head. I'm like, dude, like I ro- I rolled my eyes. Like oh, I know this kid. <laughs> All right, man. All right, number four, hard pick, my- but number four. Let me do number four first, so that you could end with. That we want to make sure we end with your number one. So my number four is going to be uh, Joseph Seed from Far Cry Five. So all the Far I- Cry villains are amazing. I'm I'm interested because I actually have not played a Far Cry game before. Oh man, Far Cry Five is a great one to start with. Okay, um, and and then you got to get it before Far Cry Six. And right now, I think we, we have the Steam sale now, so Far Cry Five is like eight bucks. Okay, really great deal. So um, yeah, so Joseph Seed, uh, again, everybody's probably gonna say like, oh no, it's it's Vaz, whatever from Far Cry Three. I actually haven't played that one, so that's why I had to pick him. But Joseph Seed does a really great job of like just kind of getting a spoiler alert. Now I'll be real soft with this spoiler. Um, he predicts things because he's like this prophet, quote unquote. He's like this prophet and he's predicting things. He has his cult that's around him. And what's a trip is a lot of the stuff he says like comes true to the point where you're at the end of the game. You're like, I don't know if I should be fighting this guy or siding with him. And, mm. <laughs> and it's kind of scary. You're, and you're like, I can't I can't stop him and his cult when everything he's saying is coming true. It's like it's, it's an unwinnable scenario. So you're already in a Far Cry game. They always kind of like throw you in the middle of nowhere. And you're helping the rebels take over, like just how that's how Far Cry games work. And this game in particular, of all of them, it's like, yeah, no, normally there's a bad guy who's controlling everything and everything you see, but this one is right, and so it makes it just like that much harder. And so um, by the end, I mean they do a really great job with the finale. I won't say anything what that happens, but by the end you're like, I am just so screwed. I did not. Yeah. I'm not satisfied right now. Yeah. I didn't, do what you would expect at the end of the video game. I'm just like, I'm screwed now. <laughs> this is sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> no, that's really, that's really interesting. Uh, or that's, you know, I've, I've never played a far, I've watched, like I've done, I've seen playthroughs of Far Cry. So yeah. I, I, I know who you're talking about. And I know that, mm-hmm. that ending you're talking about, but yeah, it's just so like, that's the character you're like, 
he is a quote prophet, but is he is he really a prophet or is he just like, you know, manipulating things? Right. And so, then you're like, wait, is he manipulating me? Yeah. <laughs> Dang yeah. it. <laughs> All right. What do we oh, have for your number four? Uh, again, man, like when you told me this topic, I was researching. I'm like, there's <laughs> so many good ones, but I'm going to go back. Nostalgia again. Um, I picked up my first ever copy of Super Smash Brothers in 2002, a year after the yeah. game came out because my parents wanted to surprise me with something. And I remember I wanted to 100% complete everything. And I remember fighting Master Hand and Crazy Hand. What a good choice. Man, those are good so choice. good. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of the mixture of Master Hand, Crazy Hand, uh, Taboo from the. Uh, uh, from Smash Brothers Brawl and then uh, Galeem from the newest one. Yeah. Um, I still have yet to finish the, the newest Smash Bros. one because it's just so big. It's it's like a massive world. So I have I've not had a chance to play all the way through it. I've seen the ending, though, um, just because I was curious. Um, but man, like really for me it's master hand and crazy hand because i remember going into those fights and like i had to come up with my own strategy of like all right what character do i use you know do i go in with captain falcon and try to go super close range do i play as falco and use his reflectors on you know his uh his bullet attacks and you know when both of them are there it's like all right should i kill master hand first and go after crazy hand like there was just a lot me and my friends would talk out strategies and like you know we used to actually time each other to see how fast we could beat master hand or crazy hand too so there was a lot for me that like emotionally i was like attached to this like villain and it was it was so unique to like see this like it's literally a hand but like he's controlling everything you know what i mean like it was just so cool to see that like the simplicity of that villain yeah and when 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 that character i'm not sure i think it was master hand was an N64 version of the game. Like when that was first revealed, mm-hmm. it was just like, as a kid, you know, when you're as a kid, you're playing the game, that like blew your mind. It was yeah. like, wait a minute, this is kind of like me playing with my toys. And am I the villain? Like it was just like such a genius idea over at Nintendo to mm-hmm. do this. I mean, they, of course, Smash Brothers in general was just like a genius idea, but this whole idea of the, of the Master Hand, like what a great move. That was, that, was, that, was, that was a good pick on your part too. That was smart. Yeah, I will say like, uh, Smash Brothers Brawl came out when I was in middle school, high school, and mm-hmm. I played through the sub sub base adversary. Um, man, what a great story game! Like within the Smash Brothers, like there was just so yeah. much that went into it, and you know, like seeing like the. I mean, I don't want to say spoiler alerts because Smash Brothers Brawl has been out it's, for like it's been 10 out for years. a bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one you're good. But like to see that you know Taboo was controlling Master Hand at the time was like mind blowing. It was like yeah. you know you knew that Master Hand was a villain, but then they created this new persona. It was just so cool. The the cinematics in that one too were like were pretty mind blowing too. Spot when you got on. To that one. I mean, they were spot I, I, on because they captured all the characters in their own unique way. Exactly. And I think it was Meta Knight was like my shit back then, which, of course, he was OP. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to go so into that. That's argument for another day. That's argument for another day. But like there was that part where like he's like right on the front of the ship when it like appears or something like that. And it was just like, yeah, <laughs> it was all hype. <laughs> it was so great. Everybody was so hyped when they saw Meta Knight in the game. Like everybody yeah. went wild. Um, the other one is when Snake first appeared. Oh, People yeah. went nuts over him too, but that was game. Yeah, that, that was like a new new yeah. era when they that brought Snake, like, and they was like, "Oh yeah. wait, we could go big on this." <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, man, we got to go number three. What do we got? Okay, so my I'm, number three is going to be Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. Have you played Ooh. Bioshock before? I, I've watched a playthrough of it. I've not personally played it myself, but I've watched people on like Twitch and all that play through it. So yeah. So in Bioshock, quick rundown of how those games work. You're the only person in a world where everything is everybody's gone crazy, right? They're on mm-hmm. they're hopped up on juices. And so um with you, the only companion you have is his voice is helping you guide the way. Uh again, Bioshock's been around, so spoilers, whatever. Um this voice is telling you, like, you gotta help me save my daughter, yada yada yada. And you're fighting through all these these crazy people, and you get to a certain point where it's all a trap. And the guy who's you know the father is actually Andrew Ryan, 
this like leader of rapture, the city you're in, you've been hearing about this whole time. And, Mm uh, he's, he's basically capturing you. He's been using all these little girls as like vessels for magic and basically making them little evil girls and stuff. Um, and so just that, that big turn in the game and and the fact that he kind of set up this whole trap for you and the entire time he's your only lifeline. So you trusted him the whole time. And then for him to be the bad guy was just like, you bastard. Um, and he is still resonated through all the other games too, because they kind of have taken that model and they've twisted a little bit here and there throughout the rest of the game. He's always kind of influenced all of Bioshock mm-hmm. now. He's a, he's a solid it's, villain. It's a classic backstab story. It's like, you know, yeah. this is the guy you trust. He's like, I need help. Like you're, you, you feel the empathy for him because it's his daughter. You want to save her. Like, you know, it's the whole family aspect and it's immediately just a stab in the back. Like it's so classic that it yeah. just like it's it's got villainy written all over it yeah and it reminded me when i played it the first time it reminded me of like a die hard if you guys remember the original die hard mm-hmm. when um <laughs> there's that mm-hmm. part where he's up there and he's like oh you know i just need help i got lost or whatever and then he's like reading the names on the board and it was like it's like that but if they made the whole damn thing about it and it's like right. oh, you brat bastards i trusted you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. Oh, like that's just such a it's a classic model to follow too cuz so many other games yeah. follow that that kind of stigma model that like, you know, the villain is the guy you're trusting. You know, because you don't know that he's actually the villain. Yeah. And it just sticks with you because of that. That's so Yeah. Cool. All right, what do you got for number 3? Man, uh I got to go back to again, I got to go back to the Legend of Zelda. Um Okay. This game actually scared me as a child, but I got through it and um, it was Majora from Majora's Mask. Yeah, that is a scary one actually as a kid. Man, like 10 year old, 11 year old me seeing Majora for the first time, like mind blowing, like scary. Like it it like got me out of my seat. Like, what do I do? Like I started kind of like felt like I was in that moment, like I was in the game, like yeah. actually standing there like what do i do like <laughs> but just like the whole like the collective game of majora and like how you're helping you know the people around the the area you know like the the butler who lost his son and you know all that kind of stuff like majora is just like such it's one of the darker toned zelda games and i appreciate you know an adult gamer now um mm-hmm. but as a kid like you don't really see that perception until later on but like majora like you start to understand him more as a villain when you go into like you know spoilers but like you know when you go into his mind and you go talk to the kid and it's just like he just wants a friend like you know and yeah. he got this mask because the mask was saying i can help you get friends i can help you do that. like there were there were things that like you know he wasn't the villain it's the mask itself that caused the darkness yeah, I, and the tragic the tragic villains are always the best. Whereas, like, well, in another light, this guy's the good guy, or yes. you know, he fell and it could have been me if it wasn't you know, him, stuff like that. That's always yeah. uh, that's a good choice. Yeah, and it's, I it's, <laughs> and, Zelda and, always does good with that. <laughs> yeah, and the thing, um, there was a and so I'm gonna reference this as a quote from one of the games that I Soul Calibur for a while. And Yoshimitsu said this quote, and it said, like, um, he was talking about the Soul Calibur sword, and he said that the sword is the true evil, not the person themselves. So it's kind of the same thing where it's like, it's not the person who was wearing the mask. It was actually the entity of evil that was in the mask that created the villain. Yeah. So it's, it's that, like, interesting dynamic to me of, like, you know, it's not a person that's the villain. It's this entity that's in imposed into an item. And that item, you know, when worn by somebody, causes, you know, evil to rise through them. So you could take, yeah. like, an aspect like that and have a game, you know, like, with a bunch of heroes in it, and one of the heroes finds the mask, and it's talking to them, and then it changes them into the villain. And that's just such a unique, like, story that you can just, like, you can do so many different things with it. and. I really don't know if they in any way, but I've seen like chunks of it happen in, you know, single player story mode games where like a character finds this mask and they don't realize that there's an evil entity connected to it and they put it on and it 
you know, creates a fighting scene that you would never expect. I, I'm so glad you chose that as your, as your villain, because it ties next is my villain perfectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so great. So what do you uh, my number two is the Lich King. This is Arthas's version, King. the main Lich King gotcha. from um, Warcraft and World of Warcraft. So Warcraft three and then World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, this is definitely the, I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody disagreeing is the end all best villain ever for the full franchise for that 17 year old game and everything before it. Um, so it's that thing where he's this prince who, yes, is arrogant, but he's training to be this paladin, you know, this holy character. And um, the forces are just too strong. And so in a desperate moment, um, he embraces this helmet, the helm of domination. He wears this helmet and he becomes the Lich King. His eyes change to fiery red and um, he now controls the Scourge, this undead army. And he mm. uses that, you know, in his attempt to fight off the demons that, that are coming eventually. And so you just, you see this guy who had so much potential to lead uh, his, his faction, his race to a better side. I mean, he had so much promise. And now all of a sudden he is the greatest threat in the world. And he goes to the frozen north and he sits in his throne and, and he's just like for a while there, he's just a frozen figure on a frozen throne. And we're waiting for him to reemerge, reborn as like just unstoppable force. And when he does in Wrath of the Lich King, the uh, third expansion for the franchise, um, or I guess it's the second expansion. Yeah. Um, it, it was just, I mean, it was the highest numbers World of Warcraft had fe- seen. Um, and it, uh, to this day, it might still be. Um, and it was one of those things, like you were saying before, too, where when he walked into the room, like we were talking about, um, it was just like everybody just stopped for a moment to see what he had to say. When you're like leveling up through the expansion or when you're playing through the story mode, um, he would walk into a dungeon or whatever. And it was just like, oh, my God, shit. And then one of the best dungeons in the game is one where he's just simply following you mm-hmm. and like you're panicked and you're trying to like quickly move, 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 move. Cause all he's doing is just like walking behind you. And that alone was menacing enough. It's yeah. So, it's, the, it's the suspense builder. It's like, yeah. Oh, he's behind <laughs> me. I got to make quick decisions. I got, all right, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I, do yeah. I use this item? Do I use speed? Do I, you know, <laughs> like there's, there's so many things rushing through your head and it like gets you more emotionally invested in the game. Yeah. And then the poor character, like when he finally dies and he's sitting there and he's asking his father who's looking over his dying body, um, is it over? Because it's like finally the helm domination's mm. done. And it's like, ah. And then when like you have a uh, four dragon puts the helmet on just because he has enough will to keep the domination at bay. It's just like, God damn, this game and these villains are fantastic. So um, that was, that's definitely my number two. And it was one of the like one and two were both villains that I was like, these are on my list. Okay, now let me do some research on the next ones and re- start doing some remembering. But you know, he's just one of them that's up there. That's a good. That's a good one. That's really good. Like, the, what have you the, got <laughs> for your number two? Number two, uh, we talked about Kaz- Kazuya, um, but I got to talk about his dad, Heihachi. Okay, that man is a villain. <laughs> like, just yeah. a villain. Like, there's no other word. How you get a guy? who, you know, he, he gets married, he has a kid, you know, his wife has this devil gene in her. And so he has to kill his wife. I mean, that's something, you know, it doesn't seem villainous because, yeah, you know, it's his, it's his wife and that's kind of a jerk thing to do. But, but then he has his kid, right? And he trains his kid in martial arts. And then, like, right after, he's like, all right, I'm going to knock my kid out. I'm going to throw him off a cliff. And if he lives, he's a devil. If he's dead, then oh well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. such a villainous thing. And I'm like, dude. But he runs this huge corporation. You know, he's all about getting power. And then, and like, it's, it's just such a classic villain. Like, he's got the male ball pattern Wolverine look. Like, he's just it's like, such an interesting look to choose, too. I was happy yeah. that they picked that, you know? Yeah, and then, like, the fact that the other thing, too, that I found kind of interesting is, like, he can use his hair to attack. Like, his hair is sharp what? enough to impale people. <laughs> it's, in, it's in his attack descriptions that his hair can impale people. So, that's, I mean, that's so Tekken. <laughs> yes, that is very, very much Tekken. But, like, you know, and he doesn't have a lot of friends. He runs his own corporation. He runs a fighting, you know, the fighting tournaments and, you know, he just personifies everything about a villain 
And he kind of just takes it to his own level. He's very clever. He's a shrewd businessman. He's charismatic and he's great at manipulating people. Yeah. And his humor is just, his humor is almost psychotic. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I remember very well, like his face on, I mean, like they, they use him all the time when you go to the arcades, right? You see him on the arcade machine itself. And he was like, the reason you put those quarters in was like, he was just such a good selling point to the game. He was like, I got to beat this dude <laughs> or beat him if I can. You know, he was awesome. Mm. Like the fact that he like he imprisoned him, his father for over 20 years, he shot his grandson point blank. And he resorted to always like kidnapping and physical intimidation. Like, there's just so many things about him. Like, he just has this desire for power and world domination through, you know, enhancing his own powers or through genetic experimentation and trying to get, you know, eternal youth. He needs a Netflix series. Dude, that would be a wild if there is a Tekken. Okay, Tekken, (laughs) Tekken, hear us out. Tekken, hear us out. You don't even have to give me money for this. You do... You do a show and just call it Tekken. You don't have I to call it anything shit else. Out of that. You, you call it Tekken, but each season is a different character and their storyline. That would be so dope. You know how <laughs> you know how many seasons they could go on. That show could last forever. Yeah, and like good seasons too. Yeah, <laughs> that would be you have dope. the Hachi season, Kazuya. Yoshimitsu, like just so many different characters. You could do the Jack Fives, Devil Jin, like all these characters. Like it would just be so, so unique. But Tekken, like if you're going to use that, like you got to throw a little bit our way. Like at least name in the credits or something. You know what I mean? Oh, we'll take like, name in the credits. I yeah, think that's na- all. Name yeah. in the credits. And like, you know, if you feel like giving me money, like I'm not going to say no. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe invite us to the studio to watch the Bro, filming. Yep, I mean, I, I'm yep, just throwing it out I'm there. there. I'm there. I'll bring popcorn. <laughs> there you go. All, All right, right, man. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the this is the this is it the number one. But I think this should be the time we do the honorable mentions. Okay, before good call. number right. one, let's do some honorable mentions. My, I have one honorable mention. And I, I do too. We we have not tied up any of these so far. I'm really surprised we have about not, that. So not at all. My honorable mention is Kerrigan from StarCraft. She's okay. she was a hero in okay. the earliest versions of the game. And StarCraft was like my first like PC game that I really got into. My first online game that I really got into. Mm-hmm. Um and so anyway, so she's she's this character who has a ghost who's like one of these really great assassins, and you're really liking her a lot. And the Zerg are so mindless. Like they're just this mindless flood villain. Yeah. Right. Well, suddenly they take her and she becomes their queen, and all of a sudden they do have a mine. And she's very smart and she's very powerful. And now all of a sudden you're like, wait, we went from this like mindless fungus to know a hive with a queen. And uh-huh. the entire franchise is all about like, can we possibly redeem Kerrigan? And as, as many humans as Kerrigan just slaughters the entire time as a player, you're like, okay, yeah, but can we please redeem Kerrigan? I just like her too much. She's yeah. too cool. And it's one of those things where it's like it's not gonna happen. <laughs> like you live, you live, you live long enough to be to become the villain. Yeah, and she is definitely like hardcore the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the latest games where this, there is like a lot of this redemption stuff going on with her. It's just like you know you're always hoping for the best. So that's definitely Kerrigan for sure. What do you got for honorable mentions over there? Honorable mention. It was really hard for me to leave him out of the list. Um, mm-hmm. It's gonna be M Bison. Oh, great choice, man. Oh, yeah. M. Bison, man. That dude, again, he's another one. He just, like, you look at him and it just says villain written on his chest. Like, he's all about darkness, pursuing the dark arts, you know, channeling his anger to grow his power, like, and just all these things that just make him a deadly ruler. He doesn't care who's in the way. He's just gonna, you know, beat the ass out of you. Yeah. If you were to line up all the Street Fighter characters side by side, you would pick him out as the villain yeah. right off the bat. And there's like Blanco or whatever out there. <laughs> You'd still pick Bison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, uh, Bl- yeah, Blanco awesome. just like, he has a weird look to him. But Bison, you're just like, yeah, he is bad news. 
was, I mean, and he's <laughs> he is he is a good size for a villain too. I mean, he's like two fifty. Yeah, he's he's stocky. Like he's he's got it still he's got some... flies across the room with that tornado <laughs> or whatever it's called. Yeah, which is crazy oh, because like I don't know if you know this about the Street Fighter, but in Japan he's not M Bison. That's not his name. In Japan he's Vega. What? Yeah. So in Japan and in uh, in America they switched up the names because there was the. There's this whole thing with Mike Tyson and, and M. Bison sounding too similar, and there was this whole scandal that was going down at the time. So M. Bison is actually Balrog. Balrog was uh, Vega's name in Japan, and um, M. Bison was Balrog. I like M. Bison better. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do too. I do too. Um, <laughs> but man, like he's just this crazy crazy villain like just yeah. i mean his personality it's his self-interest you know he wants world domination a psychopath dictator he wants to rule with an iron fist and be known as the most powerful martial artist in history and he'll do anything in his power to destroy whoever's in his way yeah and when you're fighting against him too he is very imposing like while you're fighting him you're like this dude's just like it feels like he's just a little bit bigger than everything else you fought so far. And mm -hmm. so when he moves across the screen, or whatever, you're like, I can barely dodge this if I'm lucky. So yeah, they did a really good yeah. job with this character design. Everything and about the, him is really good. And the fact that he brainwashed people, like he brainwashed, yeah. uh, man, what's her name? The, her name. His whole team, essentially, right? I mean, basically. Yeah. Like all the Shadowloo people, all of his like generals mm -hmm. were people who are now good guys. were all brainwashed by him. He's so. even like the best part of that really bad Street Fighter movies from the 90s. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> like Loki. Oh, man. All right, let's go ahead and get into our number ones then. Go uh, ahead. This, number one, this man. This character, yeah, I, I knew right off the bat this was going to be my number one. So it's Gladys from Portal. Ooh, that's a, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So the entire time while you're playing Portal, she's this robot that's like supposed to be running you through these trials. And you know that she's an asshole, but. Like everything she does is just like this manipulation and the cake is a lie and all this stuff like that. And it's just so well done. It's very, very well voiced on top of the fact that it's just like a really cool character. By the time you beat her, it's it's great. And then like the final battle is just a really fun final battle, too. That's like just takes everything you've learned and really put it to the test. And then when you go to Portal 2, you like pick her up and you like put her in this potato that you just fuck around with. So you get more dialogue from her and she's not necessarily a villain, but you're like, I don't trust this potato now because I know what Gladys can do. And so she's still just a presence within the game. And there hasn't been a character there. I, I can't think of another villain whose voice acting is better and whose character is more identifiable. There's even a, a Gladys sung song at the end of portal one. That is one of those things where it's like, well, I just have to listen to this the entire way. Like I'm not going to stop this credits. now. Mm. Um, she's just so, so good. She's so identifiable. That's a good, man. That's a good choice. I totally didn't even think of that, man. That's a great choice. Cause she's like, she's cunning in a way. Cause like you have to listen to her to get through the game. Like you do. Yeah. But she's also kind of a jerk to you in the process. Like, <laughs> yeah. but man, that's a <laughs> good one. That game in general is really like when they kill a cube that has a heart on it. And for some reason you're like, no, and like, oh, wait, that's a box. Actually, it was just a heart drawn on it. <laughs> Why am mm. I emotionally attached to this box? <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's a good game that way. Oh, it's so good. Dang. Oh. All right. You got to close this off with a big one. You're the last one. I do. I do got to close out. And again, you know, play fighting games all my life. Mm -hmm. And. I got to go with the guy that, you know, stuck out to me the most. And that was Akuma from Street Fighter. Oh, shit. That's a deep. That's a, Akuma, oh, man. I'm, I'm surprised. He, okay. Yeah. Akuma, <laughs> Akuma is the, he's my number one, man. He, he's, his name literally means like great devil. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the meaning of his name. If that's not a villain, what is, you know what I mean? Like, like you, you can't get any more evil than him because, you know, his entire backstory is that he took the the Sans, Satsui no Hado and took it up to get revenge. Like that's 
his entire life's goal is revenge. Yeah. And his his character design is fantastic. Because yes. when you see his character, you're like, oh, so he kind of looks like Ryu or or or, or you mm-hmm. know, or Ken, but like the evil pumped up version of them. Mm-hmm. Right away when you see those red eyes and that red hair, you're just like, nah, dude, this guy's like the next level. Like literally, like if I leveled up Ken, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. I would have gone just... with Bison first just because like he's more identifiable, but then you're like, no, nah, Bison is like strong, but this guy would probably fuck him up on the streets, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I put Bi- like Bison, it was a really hard choice. That's why I put Bison as the honorable mention because Bison is more of the dictator type. Like he's he's like, you know, he's the like domination kind of guy. Akuma is just a downright like, I'm just gonna beat up whoever is in my way of this goal. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, he is just fueled by rage, anger, hatred. You know, the Satsui no Hado literally took over his entire soul, which makes him very, very powerful as a character. Yeah. But it also just, you know, his whole way of thinking is just completely turned around. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I mean, his sprite, I remember his sprite so well, just sitting there like bobbing and just being like, damn, he's just like such a stronger version of the characters you're familiar with. And mm-hmm. he's like, he fits in the fighting world so well already. Yeah. Like, that's one thing that maybe M. Bison doesn't have necessarily have. Like, he doesn't look like a fighter, but. Akuma is clearly a fighter and like one that has yeah. been there for a while and dominated already. Like he's just that awesome. So that's a really great choice, man. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I think he killed his brother when they were training. They were all training together. Goken. I think he killed him or something or like it didn't really happen. I don't remember the story. I haven't played Street Fighter in forever, but like he basically got angry that his brother wouldn't give in to the dark arts. So he yeah. like just outright went and just beat the crap out of him. And then Ryu came and Goken had taught him to, you know, control because he had the Satsui no Hado inside of him as well. Yeah. And taught him to control it and to, you know, have these morals and, and say like, no, I'm not going to give into the dark side of myself. Like, you know, and like, he's one of the people who stands up to Akuma and like, he is the number one enemy of Akuma is Ryu. So it's just such a classic battle. And like going back to like when you were back in the arcade, like, you know, I've watched people play the arcade games and just watching people trying to be Akuma was just not like, it, it just didn't happen. Like you had to be very skilled. Wasn't there like a, a, like a part where he would like unleash the demon or like let the demon take control more or whatever. And he mm. became like super Saiyan almost. Does I think right? so. Something, something along the lines of that. Okay. I really wouldn't know. I haven't played Street Fighter in forever, but like, right? Same, yeah. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. I, was it's, like, it's Man, a, I haven't played it's that in a bit. while, but like, he just like his his story. I mean, he is just a villain personified. Like, he is rage personified. Like, that's a, that's a good way to put it, right there. He yeah. seeks he seeks revenge. He's destined to you know show and prove to the world that he is the number one most deadly fighter in the world. Yeah, and so yeah. You know, in comparison to M. Bison, who's like wanting to control the world, it, that's not Akuma. Akuma just wants to defeat everybody. Like, it's like yeah. it's a more pure version. And like, would you say Rage Personify? I mean, that's just perfect. That's exactly what he looks like. Everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good pick. But yeah, man, that's that would be that's my number one. I mean, it was really close between them. But man, like just yeah. true villain would be Akuma. You sold it on me because I was going to say M. Bison over him, but you sold mm-hmm. me on him. Yeah. Over the over the discussion. That was a good call. All right, guys. Well, that's it for our top five villains and a little bit of talk on Smash Brothers and esports and whatnot. Um we we gotta have Tyler on again, of course. Uh Tyler's gonna have an awesome year though. Uh when are you getting married? Uh, I'm actually getting married uh this September. So shout September. out to my beautiful fiance Megan. Um, you know, she's going through law uh she's studying for the bar exam right now. She just she oh, graduated goodness. from law school, so she's you know, she's got a lot going on her plate. But yeah, we're all we're really excited, you know, and very happy for her. So that's cool. So September, guys, wish them best of luck in September and uh and in that esports uh, career and everything like that. So that's just amazing. Um we will see you guys soon. We have another uh, news of the week coming up next week, and then of course push talk will actually be back in December. 
uh, because we have other shows coming up. So we just have to kind of rotate the schedule around. So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for hanging All right. out. Peace. <laughs> Peace.